Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Well, happy Easter, everyone. Welcome to the Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast. Happy Easter. Happy Feast of St. Catherine of Siena. Alleluia. Whose intercession we just invoked. Pray for us. That's right. This is Father Mike. Father John, good to be with you. Today is uh, what day of the what day of the calendar year is? Twenty ninth of April, I believe. Did you develop like a, a real strong devotion to her while you were over there? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lived in Siena a little bit, where her head, quote, incorrupt head is. <laughs> oh, we I covered know. that She's in the podcast years ago. A little ago. bit leathery. Little but bit. I love, and I know you do too. Um, her, she's buried under the altar at uh, Santa Maria Sopra Minerva, right? Which is the only Gothic church in Rome. And I was telling the guys today, if you're ever in Rome today on the 29th of April, go to the church because they open up the area yeah. below. Do you remember that? And we can go yeah, right in I and pray. Down there. Oh man, so beautiful! Right at her tomb. Yeah. Her tomb has got a statue of her on top. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's normally encased in glass. In like a glass altar, so you can see it from the front, or you can go around back, but it, it's not open. And then on this feast day, they, they let open you come right in and pray right on the tomb. Yeah, it's amazing. Super cool. Yep. So if you're in Rome, you're gonna want to go um, the Pantheon. You'll you'll end up at the Pantheon because every tour goes to the Pantheon. It's super cool, fascinating, and historical. And then it's just around the corner, so you're gonna look for an obelisk with an elephant at the bottom. Right. And then that's the church. Um, Sopra Minerva, Maria Sopra Minerva means, you know, you got Minerva, the, the goddess of war, and Mary, the gentle, humble woman who says yes, who conquers her. Mary over Minerva. Minerva, that's Maria right. Maria Sopra Minerva. Yeah. Uh, beautiful church. Yeah, and Gothic. Does it have the blue ceiling? Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing spot, yeah. And those of you who've been to Rome know what we're talking about. You've been there. It's it's one of the best, I think. And so. you got Fra Angelico there? Yep, Fra Angelico. He's the patron of artists, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think blessed. he's blessed. He's blessed, right? He's yeah. not a saint. Yeah. Um, well, we're getting down to the end of the semester here. Boys are getting excited. We got one more week and then finals. By the time this comes out, semester what does will be it mean, over. What does excited mean for the for the break? I guess I, I share that, too. I think they're just... Yeah, today is the last day for the deacons. This is their last day of class. They got their final exams today. These guys are going to get ordained in the next few weeks. Well, there's 16 of them from our seminary this um, this year. It's a huge class. We took everybody out yeah. for dinner on Tuesday night. We go to these Brazilian steakhouses. Guys love this oh, stuff. Yeah. Where they just bring you the skewer, skewers and yeah. chop. And Here's you, a big log of meat. It's impossible to... To not be gluttonous. Like, it's just like, oh, okay. And they just keep you in and meat sweats and all of that. Oh, Nobody man. sleeps well. It's, but. Would you like to try this meat? Yeah. Has any man ever said no? Would you right. like to try this meat, sir? And there's kind of this, um, there was this kind of tacit competition of like, okay, who's the guy who can. Oh, really? And Eat the, the uh, oh, that's Felipe and Guillerme, the two Neocats, crushed everybody. They oh, were really? just like, guys are ordering desserts and coffee, and these guys are still putting down yeah. all the meats. These guys are from, There's, one's from Brazil. I got this thing about how you, you have this um, beautiful slope of enjoying food, and it just keeps going up and up and up, and it's better and better as you as you go from being hungry and enjoy this stuff. And then it, it gets uh, kind of close to the top, and you can start to feel the end, but then it drops off hard. Yeah. 
if you keep going, it doesn't come back gradually into no. discomfort. It hits like, okay, I just went off the cliff and now I feel gross. Yes. And I definitely was at the top of the precipice and made the... <laughs> Looking at, down. I knew what I was doing, and I still chose it, oh. and it was a terrible, terrible decision. I thought I it was going to be fun. I even knew going into it. It was like last time you felt horrible afterwards. You couldn't eat for like three days. You were so full. Oh. Yeah. So anyways. That's called concupiscence. Yes, it is. Exactly. So we can't stop ourselves. It's so... It's the taste buds win. So that was... Uh, so the guys are... Finishing up, they got their comps next week, and then uh, and then ordination season begins. How'd they do with their um, papers? Dante papers? No, no, the... Um, oh, thesis. Theses. Uh, many of them were excellent, I would say. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's great. I look forward to reading some of the... Yeah. Some of the guys are my friends and are locals, and I'll probably end up reading theirs, or... One guy was... Maybe read- if they're on scripture, I'll read whoever. The other fun thing is to see them reading, not mine, but... Uh, ours, the guys, you know, they, one of them was reading Goebbels on uh, Eros, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Somebody huh. was digging into yours. I think it was Anthony Dang wow. was doing some work on, um, yeah, on authenticity, right? Isn't that what you did, something like that? I did. Yeah, yep. Sartre, and it was really good. He did, yep. he did a great job. So Thomas Sartre and then uh, uh, relational, kind of John Paul. Right. Um, social relations. So, but you watch out. Just a warning to the wise, if you're doing research, mine does not have a table of contents. Ah, yes. I remember you got Infamously, Infinite. I shamed for no table of contents. No table of contents. So it's Easter time. Spring has sprung. There's joy in the air. I just, I just walked up um, across the quad, and there's like newly mowed grass. And it's really delightful to see the, the lines yeah. from the oh, yeah. newly... Um, this is a pretty big lawn, and then you get to see these straight lines back and forth. It, and the word that came to mind was zebrine. Zebrine. It has a, a, a zebrine beauty. Oh. Is that even a word? I don't know what that means. It's, it means a zebra-like. Ah, zebrine. zebrine. I like it. I like it. Beauty. Yeah. I don't know that that's a word, though. And I've been recently getting some emails and uh, fact-checking uh-huh. what I say on this show. So. Um, line decker <laughs> i will yes line decker um Freaking okay so f- fine yes before muslims started doing prostrations christians were doing prostrations and probably for thousands of years religious people were doing prostrations um okay corrected line decker thank you Thanks. john you also have the best beard what else do you want me to say That's happy right. easter all right so um easter is here do you have any special like easter devotions celebrations things um, you do i just love reading john i love reading john uh, 20 and 21 which we do this time of year that's peter at the shore um this sunday which has been a just a kind of a continual touch point for me on retreats and um we are uh father mike and i are raised in ignatian spirituality um so when you do the spiritual exercises um oftentimes the fourth week the last part the resurrection is pretty short um, yeah, and so I was just convicted of like I want to stay in this more, and I'm actually doing my retreat in two weeks, and I was just like I want to kind of come back to this. So nothing in particular. It's night that I love that, and then Divine Mercy doing the the novena yeah. through the first eight days of Easter. So Lebsack and I went to um, we had the great privilege and blessing of going to Krakow for the um, Divine Mercy, 
and they have all of the First Communion kids around Poland come to um, to the shrine on that day. And so there's hundreds, maybe thousands of, um, I guess we do First Communion around second grade maybe, and they're all dressed in, in white, hmm. you know, white dresses, white suits that they would wear for um, First Communion. And it's just fun, beautiful, and really like that light um, spirit of children. What do you think about this? I was talking to Father Austin, who's a, a patristics scholar. Um, the bishops would call back the, the neophytes, the new Catholics, and they would come to the cathedral every day and they would wear white. Oh. And they would... Um, they. And there would be a catechesis every day. The bishop would speak to them for and how instruct long? them Pentecost? for the first for the eight days after. I oh, think. Yeah. Okay. So like, uh, we have Ambrose's day, day mysteries where he's explaining all the mysteries, everything you just went through. Now they explain, which is like really cool. I don't know how we would do that. I don't think that yeah. most uh, newly baptized would be like, all right, you're back for the next eight days. But love that well, in the early church. That was like this was prime time for mystagogy was the highlight, the high point of everything. And and for those of us who have done. RCA, that's the hardest part. Mystagogy being afterwards, yeah. explaining the mysteries. Yeah, it's kind of like your graduation caps, throw them up in the air. You're a Catholic now, and then uh, it's we got to kind of think how do we recover that more? Yeah, you know. How long was mystagogy traditionally? Um, just those, just the octave? No, it was longer than that. But the octave was a kind of a prime sacred time of like we're celebrating the eight days of Easter because Easter is an eight day feast. It's an octave, um, so it's. It really is one long day. Days get extended around the yeah. Paschal mystery, right? Um, and uh, so that's super cool. Yeah. And I, you know what? I think they would be enthusiastic. People are so happy on the day of their baptism and confirmation and Easter vigil, and they're so enthusiastic. Like, you could feast. You can eat meats. You know, yeah, you could bring skewers. You could do, you could do Brazilian while you're meats giving a every talk, day. and you know, people are cutting off meats for you. I think Make sure you got wearing, something here. You're wearing your bib, though. Wear your bibs your over your white garment, napkin. All right. Do you ever tuck it in the front? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I don't know. In shoes, you run into people rarely who tuck it in the front. Who go for it. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know. So, it doesn't happen often. Well, how about you? You got some uh, the Easter stuff. Um, I don't think really, I kind of tried to get into the divine mercy stuff and Jesus, I trust in you. Oh, here, here, I'll tell you one is, um, in the confessional and in counseling people, I've been recommending this year, go into the tomb. Now the context there is sin and discouragement. Everybody hates coming back to confession over and over and over and saying the same things or discovering new things. I thought I was done. And now I'm discovering new sins. So it can be a, a discouraging uh, experience. Um, well, encouraging experience. Recognizing sin is the discouraging thing. But then um, I've been recommending this meditation of walk into the tomb, into the darkness, into the cold, into the depths, into the, the rocky tomb, and leave that stuff leave the evil, leave the sadness, leave your brokenness, leave your sins, and then walk out resurrected with Jesus. And when you walk out, walk out as a child, like your kid self, and experience that resurrection and freedom. Because we could start to think, okay, well, I get to this point, confession is going to help me slowly crawl out of my like bad self and brokenness and all of this stuff or to hang on 
And it's like, no, resurrection means total new creation. And it means it's possible all the time, certainly with the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, so I like that's that. been I the like, meditation. I like thinking of relocating redemption in creation. I think that's a beautiful, both imaginatively as you're describing it, but also just in general, like God is, this is the new creation. He's, he's recreating you. The yeah. re- resurrected life means I am, I'm created, but it's grace building on nature. It's, it's, there's something different. I live differently. It's not just same old kind of slog against sin, you know, and yeah. uh, it's, it's just, there's a freshness and joy and kind of freedom that comes from just knowing that God is accomplishing this. Yeah. He's doing it. Yeah. And that, that return to youth is just appealing to me right now. Uh, I talked about my, all of my old uh, elementary school friends, you know, and then, okay, I, this is not a brag because I don't think of myself this way, and it was really sweet. But Eric Tormo, Eric Tormoli got in touch. Oh yeah, and I, you know, I haven't talked to him since elementary. Was this school, on the litany of uh, the, grade school as Larkin was <laughs> yes. trying to leave? Oh yeah, I love exactly, that. that was fantastic. Exactly, like you just watch him cringe. Um, so Eric Tormoli gets in touch, and he said that it was serendipitous, kind of a surprise, but of providence that. Um, that he hears, you know, some coworker or something told him, I heard your name on a podcast. So he listens and, um, but his, his mom had recently told him, I don't know, recent few months, few weeks, um, while they're trying to teach their, uh, daughter to tie her shoes, her mom had said, well, you didn't know how to tie your shoes. You used to always have your friend, little Mikey do it. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) He used to tie your, your shoes for him. So your 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 daughter needs a little Mikey. That's great. And I thought, man, that's sweet. I always think of myself as a terror. No, you were like tying a little shoes. Tasmanian devil. So yeah. I felt really good about that and thought I'd share that. Well, I hope that's not like a weird brag. No, that's cool. You can tie. I, it's just nice. Can, it's my Birkenstock ever gets on, uh, you know. No, I am not worthy, John. I am not uh, worthy. There you go. There you go. To unloosen the bu- um, buckle of your Birkenstock. One last thing on youth here, not to keep you off topic, but um, have you ever seen Thomas Cole's The Voyage of Life? This is a four-piece. It's I saw it in the National Gallery in Washington, D.C. last week. We were just walking through. And um, the first time I'd seen it was Jim Thermos put it in the Spiritual Audio House. And it's four paintings. huge paintings. Oh. And it's life. So it's childhood. It's youth. It's like adulthood and then it's old age and it's Mm. this the voyage of life is it's all on this river basically you would love it and so the the youthfulness one is worth thinking about i think i'm going to circle back to this in another podcast because it really struck me and there's some ideas on Uh. it but but check out the youth um image because he's coming out of the they're coming out of this kind of cavern and there's like the it's a huge mountain and it's kind of veiled in mystery but the Mm. angel is leading this kid and the it's just the garden it's edenic it's um and there's so much joy and freedom in this little little guy you know three-year-old or whatever uh, on the the boat kind of setting out into life and that's Mm. the resurrection is, is like you're saying brings us back to that so super cool and the name of the artist again I think it's Thomas Cole. Let me check. Okay. Let me ask the Google. The journey of life. Well, that's the voy- great, voyage man. of life. The voyage of life. Um, well, I'll try to tie it in as we move Tom, to the yeah, top. Thomas Cole. So, yeah, this has something to do with the the journey of life and growing, maybe growing old. So, do you remember when you were a kid? Um, I don't know if you were taught the 
like Bible songs and stuff, or if that's part of my Lutheran I was not. Uh, mother background. But you probably like with Totus to us, oh, cool, yeah. Big bad world, you know, colorful, moving from the, oh, yeah, that's super cool. Anyways. And how detailed is it? This is a Google picture. Yeah. Okay, so you're moving out of the cave of, like, ignorance, of, like, the naivety of the very little kid, um, which is beautiful in itself, but you're learning life. And um, I was taught this song, he's got the whole world <laughs> in his hands, he's got the whole wide world, you know? Um, and it goes like that. Yep. He's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Uh, I don't know if you did that with Totus 2. Have you heard that? I've heard that. I think we did it with Totus 2. And I'm reminded of one of the cheesiest gifts ever given to the companions Oh, by our moderator, Father Brady, gave us these squeeze balls of <laughs> that were globes. <laughs> Uh, for Christmas like those one tension year. balls? Tension balls. Oh. And he says, I want you guys, when you're tense, to squeeze the globe and remember that he's got the whole world in his hand. And oh. I was like, this is the lamest thing ever, but thank you, and I'm sure you loved it. Do you remember Brady that? Brady has that weird, <laughs> quirky, like, it's kind of like um, so you're watching it, like, sporadic. 20 grown men just squeezing these globe oh, balls man. and singing this I to love themselves. It. I think he got that from his dad, right? Yeah, I bet, probably. This sort of silly thing. Yeah. I, so it's anyways, delightful. Yeah. Lighten the mood. Get those squeeze balls, and <laughs> I could use one because I get stressed out. I forget about that. You know what? Someone had uh, sand. I think Mary Rogers had sand. Like it was a little bucket of sand, and it's meant for this. It's made for this, and you can just squeeze that sand uh. as you're talking on the phone, at the you know, working at your desk, um, whatever it is. And it's like people had the fidget spinner and the squeeze ball, and but I like the sand one. All right. So he's got the whole world. And there was other songs too, like this little light of mine, <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Uh, and what was the one? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Oh, I've never heard that I one. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Did they teach you any German songs when you were in school? Yeah. Yeah. We did. We took German at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran School and we did uh, our Christmas pageant. Stille Nacht. Heiligenacht. Love it. I didn't know that as a kid. Yeah. That, that was German. No, not, not much. Okay. So he's got the whole world in his hands. That is so beautiful and true and um, very hard to believe as you go on. You know, you get right out of the waters of baptism and you're a neophyte. Um, neophyte means you just became Catholic or became a Christian and uh, you're fresh. And you've recently had all of these experiences of wonder. I'm learning things. I'm discovering Jesus is the truth, and it's amazing. The whole horizon is opening up like this kid coming out of the cave and going on his journey. And um, this whole spiritual world is amazing. You, um, you're feeling the love of God and uh, having a relationship with God that's growing very quickly because it's uh, so new. You're feeling the welcome of the community because you're, well, you're in RCIA and you maybe you haven't had this experience before and you're finding out that charity is like a mark of Christian life and the and hospitality is something that we value. And um, it just seems like one discovery after the next, one joy after the next and everything. And, uh, and then you go through life and you have experience after experience. Some of them are better than others. And um, you grow kind of simultaneously in um, a depth of faith 
like things become more and more real instead of like, okay, this is a beautiful dream and it's, but I'm going to wake up someday, but they become more and more real and uh, experiences of God and of um, the power of the sacraments and all of these things as you go through life, go through a hard time, so the death of a loved one, the um, you go through an accident, you get yourself getting sick, you um, whatever it is, and but you're finding out God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. So you're growing and you're learning, and uh, but simultaneously you have this experience of disillusionment because there this is a fallen church and the uh, the concupiscence of my the, my fallen self is being um, purged. You know, the purgative way, the illuminative way, the unitive. And so I'm having these disappointments. I thought I was going to just immediately become a saint. I thought everyone was going to be perfect and awesome and charity was going to thrive in this community or that it would be all the time from one glory to the next, right? And um, I'm having an experience of I don't like this new priest at my church or I have um, admired this person and they have feet of clay. So they turns out that they're human too. And I thought that they were perfect or saints or something like that. Um, or like real scandal of this kind of sin seems worse in the church. You know, people being rude, people being um, closed-minded, and I thought, you know, this was supposed to be an exceptional place. The church can be political. The church can be, um, I don't know, it presents lots of different kind of difficulties, right? And that is is a, a kind of challenge that you say, well, what now? You know, um, even from the beginning. So the letter to the Hebrews talks about perseverance as like the chief virtue of the Christian. Perseverance presumes this isn't easy, and you're going to be faced with lots of challenges. So I'm kind of at a point in life where I was, Olo and I have talked about this, of like, don't want to call it midlife crisis, but have learned a lot, mm -hmm. and I'm no longer naive, but I don't want to be jaded, you know? Um, we lived in Rome. In Rome, you find out that there's a lot of politics in the church. There's a lot of teams, and it can be like, you know, there's the Republicans there and the Democrats there among the bishops, and it's off-putting. It's like I thought we were all, yeah. I thought they were a direct voice of God. I thought we were all unified more than we are, all these things. You find out that theologians disagree about things. You find out that um, there can be examples in your life who either go away or um, don't turn out as you grow up. They're not what you... You're not, they're not the perfect person you thought they were. Um, and, um, and then like just kind of personal things like my prayer life, I thought it was going to grow, grow, grow. It seems like it regresses at times. seems like my moral life can do that ups and downs, roller coaster, um, relationships with people, you know, you, you trust and then you don't trust and then you, things can be really disappointing. And then you, you wonder after a while, the jaded thing is, um, is anything pure? Is anything like the intentions right? Or should I just be guarded and take, you know, th that sounds extreme, but I think it's real. Like it just, life presents you with these things as you get more and more disappointed. And then 
you're stuck with kind of this, you can be stuck with this kind of thing of, they taught me when I was a kid that God's got the whole world in his hands. And it looks to me like people who are powerful or people who want to take power or people, um, or sometimes I think I have the whole world in my, in my hands and then I don't, you know, like, does anybody have the whole world? Yeah. Does anybody have anything of the world? And certainly how do I, I don't know, like, where is God in that? Have you ever? Yeah. Do you see that what I'm setting I up? I do. In terms I do. It's hard to age and age. Yeah, it's hard to get older. Um, you know, I was telling the guys that um, nobody gets through seminary unscathed. You know. Like, yeah. And uh, you just you're gonna get wounded being here, uh, and um, we're gonna hurt each other, and that happens in life. And there's a lot of injustice that we suffer, and there's a lot of unreconciliation we experience and so it's hard to affirm as you're saying the lordship of the resurrected christ that he really does that salvation was universal cosmic everything Mm -hmm. um i was reminded of and we talk about providence and i'm not sure i know how that works but i believe in it yeah yeah trusting in it so i think the i read an aphorism of balthazar last week where he talks about the three steps so to speak of church-mindedness, as you would say, or just thinking about the church. And I think it applies to what you're saying about life, which is, he says the first one is naive, being naive. And naive, not to be pejorative, it means just like um, inexperienced. Kids are naive. That's not yeah. bad. It's just there's an innocence. Right, and they didn't do anything and, wrong. And when we, became they Catholic, trust people. when we became Catholic or when we had reversions back to the faith, it was just like the church, the glory, the beauty. And then you, you, that breaks down. You become disenchanted. And then the second phase is, is critical, um, mm. where everything is just like when we're in Rome and we see the humanity of the church and the scandal uh, of things, and then you become critical or jaded, as you said. Um, and that's important. Critique is important. Growing as in a critical mind in the right way is important, but the, it's not where we end. Where we end is a third place, which Balthasar says is ascent. That's the Marian yes. Mm. That's the that's the trust. Surrender. That's the ability to say, I no longer can measure my progress. I no longer can be the the interpreter of the reality of the church or the world. I don't understand how everything works. I don't understand how my life is going. Because that's the other thing, as we get older, there's there's turns. Yeah. We don't look like what we thought we were going to look when we were right. approaching 40, you know, or whatever. And the road that I had set out right. doesn't, I don't have as much control over that road. Right. But that ascent is then the choice to trust in the midst of that, mm-hmm. in the midst of all the things that are driving us towards harsh criticism or being jaded. And I like that. Yeah. And I would say critical in my mind is, is a good word. Like you were saying, it's, um, exercising good judgment, being thoughtful, paying attention, um, and jaded or cynical are the bad versions. Of right, that. right. Yeah, I totally know. agree. Uh, wise is the good version. Giassani is great on this in his uh, Risk of Education. He talks about critical from crisis, right? To It literally means in oh. the etym- etymologically to take hold of something. Mm. So the critical person is, is really taking, they're grabbing something, they're holding on to it, and that's really good. So we need a healthy, we need a more authentic criticism in the church, not one that, like you said, leads into mm. cynicism. So um, I've got two examples that I want to kind of go through for 
just giving hope in the midst of that thing. Okay, so I had a I had a guy come to the office. I'm going to try to avoid you know too much detail, but he um, he was disillusioned and didn't know what to do, and he was frustrated because he had um, converted and then was maybe. 10 years, a Catholic, and was just in love with everything when he started. And he, there was his, his mass that he loved, and it went a certain way. It looked a certain way. And there was a personality that um, this priest that he, or, um, yeah, this kind of um, had chosen this mass and had arranged everything and was just charismatic. It was everything that he ever wanted. And he loved that the church was... Um, that everywhere in the world we were doing the same things. He likes liturgy for that reason. You know, we're reading the same readings, basically preaching on those readings, and then we have the same ceremonies and prayers. And that sort of consistency was really attractive. So just cloud nine, you know. And then recently he there was a significant enough change that he just feels like everything has changed, and he doesn't know what to do, and he... It feels really disenchanted. So it was like we started doing a Latin mass and he's just like, I don't, I don't get it. You took my mass that I really enjoyed everything about it. And now I don't even understand the words. I can't even pray. I don't know why this is the choice that's being made and everything. So I tried to help him along the way, but he was really in this point of panic of like, well, what do I do? You know, is even his Catholic identity was at risk and I I was like just chill out go to a different mass and where you can pray I mean and then this yeah this is the same mass everywhere in the world but we can use different language or whatever and um, but I could tell like okay on the one hand there's like this piece of okay you're gonna learn perseverance through this and you're gonna grow as a Catholic and um, and this won't be as hard as you think it is breaking your routine and changing and um, I, and then on the other hand, it's like I could s- I, I sympathize to a certain extent of that disenchantment of like things are not as I expected. And this particular leader is not the way that I, I, I came to the church under this leadership that may, gave me the impression that everyone was of the same mind and everyone would have the same personality. And now this is different and it's not my style and all this stuff. So part of that is just like opinion and interest. But it was, yeah, this experience of disillusionment and disenchantment and kind of sadness, discouragement, you know, who's in charge? And are we just subject to the whims of those who are in charge and the pendulum swing of history? Because I told him, well, this what you're seeing is something of a, of a tide of interest in the church right now and some of the direction of uh, – at big levels and little levels. And that's okay. That's how it works. That's how it works. It's like there's trends that come into the church and there's um, people who are formed with interests or are uh, responding to the culture in this way or that way. And so you get used to that, um, that tide and you'll get used to how it's consistent. It moves, but in the end it's there and it comes in and out, but there's, there's something predictable about that shoreline and that sea. Okay. So, um, I'm, but I'm asking like, okay, well, where do you, it was provocative to me of just like, well, yeah, what happens if I'm kind of caught in the middle of that politic and I have to choose a tribe and it's frustrating and I don't, I don't know 
what's best. You know, he was asking, well, what's the, what's the best thing to do? And I'm like, I don't, don't even know. Um, for the good of the church, this decision needs to be made. It's like for the good of the country, you have to get Republican or Democrat. And I'm like, I'm more interested in issues or something like that. Um, so I have some sense of that, but it was, it was like kind of a wake up of like, yeah, I don't really, there is something jaded and cynical in me about leadership in general. And maybe that's the punk thing. We've talked about that a million Mm -hmm. times. Um, but I also think that's like life and experience and disappointments that are kind of like, I don't just, I just don't try. I just don't put my trust in, um, people and ultimately I've learned to be simple and obedient and to find the best in the circumstances. And generally, I think I just trust God working it in the church. So I don't, I'm not trying to say good and bad. Most of the time, I think it's, it's mostly good. And then maybe not my style or not my taste. But even that is like, well, maybe it's the majority's taste or a lot of good people's taste or it's what God wants right now. And I just have a different flave. So, the, but the, it just kind of, put a spotlight back on me. It was like a mirror of my own um, cynicism hmm. and disappointment at times. So I, I, I kind of have been, uh, God has kind of caught me with two, two images. One is um, Catherine of Siena today. So she was lived in a time when the leadership of the church was confused, uh, misguided, had grown into a place of real strange politic and family dynamics and kind of uh, mafia war um, at the highest level. The Pope, the Cardinals, and all of this stuff was really a mess, and they were prioritizing the wrong things. Now, I don't know why they went to Avignon, but Catherine, this little nun, goes and tells the Pope, you need to come back to Rome, and you need to deal with this. You need to deal with the complexity and not run away and you can't go to a comfortable palace, and that's not what we're here for. Even if there's more fundraising money over there, and there's some reasons to do it, you need to come back and be faithful to God's will. And everybody's trying to be faithful to God's will, and everybody, or at least talking that way, and everybody is working with some some legitimate authority in their opinion, but what if the ship goes way far away? Well, the thing I take hope in today is that Catherine has a very simple solution. Turn to Jesus and turn to Jesus in prayer. That, that we can trust, but even if everyone in the world is untrustworthy, Jesus is still there and he's still trustworthy. And even in the Gospel of John, you know, he says he doesn't trust anybody. He knows what's in their hearts, mm-hmm. hearts of men. Mm-hmm. So you can be disappointed by every single person and still trust Jesus. There is something trustworthy. There is something worth relating to instead of jaded is like cold. I'm going on my own way and good luck. I don't have any answers. I don't have any one to, to follow. And but, but Christ provides that road. It's not easy because it's a road of faith, right? It's easier to find somebody who's barking some great slogan, but it's much more true and trustworthy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot in there to unpack. Um, First thought is, you know, we are 
living in a time of kind of um, Catholic tribalism. Um, who's more Catholic? Who's got it right? And it, it, it feels tribal. Um, and it's, it's a very difficult moment. But as you said, it was the same in the 14th century um, with, you know, the uh, papacy being in Avignon. And uh, yeah, Catherine's response is not to be a better tribe. It's about being more inserted into Jesus. So, so we have afflicted that. And it doesn't help to violently change things. I just, I don't think that this is, a, I mean, I don't know the situation. I don't know what, but to just come in and be like, now, now this is not my tribe who's been running this. So we're going to do something different. And it's like, we all have to kind of move to the center here. It's been an interesting thing up in Helena. Bishop Vetter um, basically said, I want all of you to meet me in the middle. So he went to kind of the old boomer liberal priest and he said, I want you to put your tabernacles in the middle. And he went to the young guys who are getting more traditional. He said, I, I don't want you to do the extraordinary form. So we got to come to the middle together and mm. we got to bring our people this way. Um, so that's one thing is just like good leaders, good shepherds are helping us kind of mm. converge back to the heart of the mystery of redemption and the, and the heart of the church, which is Christ. And that, that as you said, Catherine has. The other and, thing don't, I, and don't make the people choose right. that way. Well, and don't, no, tell, I mean, don't tell them this is... Um, this is the way to do it. I mean, sometimes the church in, in this moment feels like um, Animal Farm. Did you read yeah. George Orwell? Yeah, um, yeah. It's just kind of like whoever, the vacuum of power, and then it, whoever's up, it's the next tribe. Yeah. And um, we got into that, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about that. Um, it just ends up being a very weird thing, on, on regardless of direction. So we can't keep going to extremes. we got to kind of converge in the middle. And the middle is Christ. The middle is not my opinions. And that leads to maybe the second point, which is, I'm just struck by how radically individualistic we are as moderns and the way we think about the Catholic Church. Um, I'm teaching eschatology. We're talking about the question of salvation is really not an individual question of, am I going to be saved? Is Mike going to be saved? Is the guy who doesn't know Christ? Like, that's not the question. Mm. The question is, Christ. how did Christ accomplish a universal salvation? Yeah. His salvation yeah. is Catholic. In How the are sense we that being saved? How is the world? He being saves all everything? of creation. That's what the re- resurrection is. It's not like my sweet moment when I get to feel better about I don't know my millennial experience, but it's like um, he did something here that in- enveloped all of creation and drew it back to the Father, reconciled everything to the Father. Now, individual questions matter, but that can't be the main question. And so, the Church has to kind of reaffirm the social dimension of salvation, the, the Catholicity in the sense that Catholic is not a label of our kind of flavor. And then we debate, debate on how that flavor should taste, um, liturgically especially, which is where a lot of the battles are. But it's, it's Catholic because it's, it's comprehensive. It's the whole. It's the totality of everything. Yeah. So part of converging in the center is also surrendering our the forms that we get attached to forms of relationship forms of liturgy forms of and just really surrendering those in trust to christ and say there's a there's a deeper wholeness to things in you not in me i'm not the center uh, of of that so well and i was i don't mean to bring that up as just a criticism as if to say you know all the leaders around you in the catholic world and the bishops and da 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 i think there's too much of that right but um, are, are not paying attention to Jesus. That's true. And I think at every level, this is a worthwhile um, reflection. And for me, it was mostly like, I want someone to give me answers. 
And I go running around saying, are you trustworthy? Are you trustworthy? Can I talk to you? Please help me, uh, you know, in lots of different ways. And it's hard, you know, when you yeah. kind of try and then f- and that fails or s- something goes off. So that's like kind of the personal interests I have. But also, yeah, obviously in the case of my my the, the guy who came to my office too, it was just like, well, this whole experience is hard for me because I, I put my trust and follow this way of this or that person and then i have my own style whatever um so yeah very good points and then um you have the beginning of the spread of the gospel out of jerusalem in acts um so the christians have been going to the temple every day they've been um forming the christian community has been forming since pentecost in jerusalem there's run-ins with the local authorities, the, um, the high priests, the Sanhedrin, the teachers in the temple, and they're all saying, well, why are you guys presuming to take to um, authority? Like, you can't teach. You don't have the right to teach in, in this city or in this temple, and um, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. You're going to lead the people astray. And um, so there's kind of this go on, they go on trial, they get arrested, then they get out, they get out, and, you know, this picture for the first few chapters as, that we're going through at the beginning of Easter here. And then you get to this point where we've just run into where Stephen, the, the young deacon, gives this great speech, and then he's killed. He's stoned to death. And then the scripture tells us, and at, at the time of that great persecution, the, um, all the Christians were scattered out of Jerusalem and uh, scattered from, from outside. What does this one say? On that day, a great persecution arose, the day of Stephen's death, against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Okay, so the Christian community gets scattered to Judea and Samaria. And then there's a little note about Saul was consenting, and then in verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So this word scattered is beautiful. It's uh, spero. It's mm-hmm. like to sow the seeds. You remember in mm-hmm. Jesus' parable of the sower, he goes out to sow the word. And so here you get this ironic situation. And they talk about, scholars talk about Luke and double irony. So you say, who's doing the will of God? Well, it's not the people who were chosen to do the will of God. That's the high priests. They're not doing what they're supposed to. So you have these kind of bumpkins who were never chosen by the, the system and they end up doing the will of God and teaching these others to do the will of God. And then the plan continues, and you see the, the high priests are winning. They're kicking out all the Christians and persecuting them. And it turns out, by kicking them out, they were scattered throughout the world, and the word becomes scattered throughout the world. Mm. The seed of the word mm. happens. So who's doing the will of God? It's the enemies. You know, It's the very people who are trying to thwart the will of God, but their own efforts— at persecuting and, and suppressing this whole movement turns out to be the very thing that moves it along. So the image I used preaching this morning was the you, you see a dandelion in your yard and you say, oh, that's a weed, so I want to go pluck it. And I pluck it, and that makes all the seeds go flying out into the rest of the yard. So I've just done gone from one dandelion mm-hmm. weed to having to face a thousand of them next year. And that's how it worked with this um, this providence. In providence, in God's plan, he's laughing in the heavens because the very people who are trying to destroy and 
thwart his plan end up helping him. And I, I don't know exactly. I'm not trying to say, okay, here's an example in the church, whatnot. I'm just saying that's God's got plans that we don't have, and it has, was a, a little cause of encouragement to remember he's got the whole world in his hands and to believe that. Yeah. Because even when I see things that seem to be like, man, this is like messy in my life, in the church, fine, but in my life, then I can say, oh, well, even, even the mess, even the madness is working into God's hand. And in a real way, not just like, okay, brokenness leads to, you know, the, the great mystery of suffering. I, I do that too. I'm not opposed to that. Um, but there's also just hope that God's got these secret plans and he's in the heavens laughing. That's what Psalm 2 says. I, uh, yeah, the double irony is super interesting, and it's a great lens to think about Yeah, what's happening in the church and the scattering and the persecution of Christians, which has begun and will continue. And, you know, so. and even St. Catherine going over to the papacy in Avignon. So this is the papacy is falling apart. The whole church, da, 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 da. It's, you know, right on the brink. And she goes and everything, you know, she has to um, confront them and everything. And, but in the in the wake of that whole experience if there wasn't problems we would not have had saint catherine and we would not have had that lesson that we learned in history that hopefully we're going to avoid uh, repeating and the way that we repeat is go to jesus go to jesus to restore that trust so if anybody's out there having some disillusionment in any way as, as a catholic you know i was so excited but i'm disappointed turn to jesus turn to jesus in prayer it's a good paschal word that's the Paschal Word. Thank you, Father John. This is a Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Um, I got a shout-out. Um, let's see if I can find it. Roger Snow. So I was... Um, uh, is that a Game of Thrones is that a, is that a guy from Game of Thrones? I don't know. Um, he uh, is the father of Lawrence Snow. His kids went to Cabrini, and I met him at Light of the World on uh, at the Easter Vigil because... One of his good buddies was coming into the church, and he said, "This guy brought me to Christ when he was a Protestant, and uh, and now I've brought him into into the church." And it was just it's just great to meet listeners who uh, have beautiful stories and who are doing the work of uh, of evangelizing and uh, bringing their friends into the church. So shout out to Roger. That's a sweet cycle, sweet sweet circle, and thank you to all the um, faithful. Faithful evangelicals and Protestants, Baptists, um, Episcopalians, all the Christians who are faithful. I'm, I'm, I'm valuing them more and more because there's less and less of us. And, um, and their zeal and love for Jesus is, um, is definitely a way to, um, of growth toward him. Um, I believe that the fullness of Christ is in the Catholic Church, and I've seen it and experienced that. Um, but I'm really grateful to anyone who loves Jesus. You're my brother. And... Um, and you're helpful, you know. Let's all work together for the, um, the salvation of the world and the um, invitation to the, to the gospel. So here's Miss um, Ashley Manalang from California sent a very simple and sweet note. And um, she just says, Thank you all for everything you do for the community. I enjoy each podcast and smile with the banter. Here's a little something to show my appreciation. And she gives a couple gift cards. Um, it's just simple. I'm just grateful for a nice hello and thank you. It's uh, 
I loved the, I love every communication we get, but just wanted to thank um, Ashley for that. Yeah, thank you, Ashley. Beautiful. Surf on, girl. Surf on. Happy Easter. All right, blessings, everybody. Happy Easter. Thanks for listening. Uh, we are going to be bringing on um, Father Sean Conroy is coming. I think you recorded with him. Yep. So that should be out in the next uh, two weeks, I think. So you'll be introduced to our uh, newest host and the fourth guy. Uh, excited. So. A warning. We talk about hockey for like 20 minutes. Excellent. So I love it. <laughs> for, fast I lo- forward. I look forward to hearing if that. If you're really upset about this long banter. All right. God bless you, everybody. Happy mm-hmm. Easter.